So we get to kick off fall revival. Amen. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like being told the truth? Oh, man. Darn it. Darn it. I lost you. I lost you. I, like, I got like four people over here that were like, yeah, I love that. Everybody else like, I don't know. I'm really more about my truth. So let's back up. Let's act like that didn't happen. Can we, re- we rewind? I said, how many of you like being told the truth? You're so spontaneous. It's amazing. So I actually called Jabin this week and asked him for permission to preach this message. Um, This is a challenging message. It's a confrontational message. I don't think anything at all about preaching this message in my church. (laughs) But like, I'm not your pastor. (laughs) I'm going to... I'm going to do what is totally not supposed to be done as a public speaker and tell you that in a few minutes, I'm going to say some things to you. And at the risk of you getting angry, nothing inflammatory, maybe. (laughs) But I'm going to say it to you because even though I don't know you, I do care for you. I love you. I love this church. I have been praying and supporting this church before this church had a name. And I want God's best for your life. And sometimes you have to be told the truth. And someone has to be willing to say it. Because the world is lying to you, not on a daily basis, on a minute-by-minute basis. And I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit tired of being told that someone's opinion is fact. And that because someone feels a certain way, I am supposed to put my faith in how they feel. So let me ask you a question. How many of you want to be told the truth? The Bible says that the truth shall set you free. Okay, Isaiah 54, verse 17. Oh, we love this scripture. It says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage, the inheritance, the heritage. This is your promise from God. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Oh, we love that scripture. We post that scripture. We repost it. Some of you might have a plaque in your, in your kitchen that says no weapon formed against me will prosper. We pray it, we shout it, we write songs about it. It's one of 
the Hall of Fame scriptures of the Bible. Like if there was a top 10, this would be in the top 10. Along with, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And he is greater. Do not forget that God is greater. Amen? Do not forget that God has the supreme authority. And we are here at his good pleasure. And everything here is under, is subject to his word. Amen? Now, like many scriptures, verse 17 needs to be looked at in context. So let's go back to verse 14 of the same chapter. It says, in righteousness you shall be established. You will be far from oppression. You shall not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Well, that sounds like a good life. Does anybody agree with me that a life where oppression is far from me, where terror is running from me and fear does not come near me is a good life? Amen. So we see here in verse 14 that this is the life that we can live as God's children. This is the desire of our heavenly father for us to live lives to summarize of peace, of God's provision, of God making a way for us, of God empowering us to live our best lives. We see here that it is possible for us to reach our highest level of development for our lives, but mostly for his glory. Amen? Let's keep reading. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. Now, verse 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Isn't it incredible that verse 17 begins and ends with speaking of the righteousness of God? It says, in righteousness you shall be established and ends with, and their righteousness comes from me, says the Lord. Now, please understand that righteousness comes on two levels. One level you play no part in, and the second you play the entire part. The first level is your righteousness set before the Lord, which you stand in because of your salvation in Jesus Christ. You played no part in that other than opening your life to Jesus and asking him to come into your heart as your Lord and Savior. Beyond that choice of believing in Jesus, Jesus did all the work for you to stand righteous before God. 
and you are established in that righteousness no matter what is going on in the earth and even when you make mistakes and mess up. You do not lose your righteousness based on your works. No, you are right based on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, not based on what you do right and wrong. But then there is the everyday level of righteousness. And it is incumbent upon us to make sure that we are established in righteousness. What does that mean? One of the definitions of righteousness in the Bible, it means this. It means to build your life on what is right about God and not what is wrong with you. James puts it this way, and I know you guys did a, a, a study on the book of James this year, and one of the scriptures that you inevitably studied was when James says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a what? A doer. Because hearing something has no effect unless you apply it. What is wisdom? Wisdom is not knowing something is right. Wisdom is putting what is right into action. You can know that you need to eat healthy, but not eat healthy. You can know that you need to be nice to your wife while still being a jerk to your wife. So knowing that something is true and right is not enough. Congratulations that you know you need to work hard to get a promotion. If you're showing up late and not working hard, guess what? So... Our righteousness for eternity is from God, but then we play a part in staying established in our Mondays and our Tuesdays. And then it says, when you accept righteousness into your life, that you can live far from oppression. That you can have terror running away from you. That fear will have no grip on your life. Well, we know that's what God wants because 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. But make no mistake... Our choices affect our being established in righteousness. Again, not our salvation, but do not lie to yourself and tell yourself that your behavior does not have effect on your future. The more we align our lives with his righteousness, 
the more we are empowered to live lives of integrity, which produces right action, right attitudes, and then results in right results. So watch this. Verse 15. It says, Indeed they shall surely assemble, they being what? Weapons formed against you. So God's not telling you that weapons aren't going to form against you. No, they are. And if I came up here and tried to say that, you would laugh me out of the building. Because some of you got some weapons formed against you. No, he says, indeed, they, they shall surely assemble. But watch this, point number one, but not because of me. So I know that you know this because you have great preaching, but God is not your problem. God is not against you. God is not your source of frustration. God is not trying to break you to make you. God can make you without breaking you. Some of you were broken before you knew God. He doesn't need to break you more. He's trying to restore you. He's trying to bring recovery to you. He's trying to heal you. God is not against you. He is for you. God is on your side. So it's not from God. Let's keep going. Whoever assembles against you shall surely fall for your sake. Okay. So God says, weapons are going to be formed against you, but they're not from God. Now he says, whoever, whoever in, in the original Hebrew always refers to a person and never things. So what does that mean? That means that there will be people who want to live with or around you. They expect you to be welcoming and accommodating to them. But in fact, they are not from God and they are not for you. No, 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 but here, they present as if they are. But we, we've been friends since fifth grade. No, but we go way back, all the way back. Here's how you can tell if people are for you. Are they celebrating your victories? Are they happy when you're happy? Are they really in your life and you are both in a mutual relationship where each other's best interests are in mind and you are helping each other reach your highest level of development? Or in truth, are they just dragging you down and you're putting up with it because they've been there for a while? But then you're frustrated 
that your life can't move forward and you're praying for God to bring people into your life to help you to go to new places, reach new dreams, and get to new heights, but you won't let go of the people who are dragging you down all the time. And they use emotional manipulation to guilt your compassionate Christianity Oh, really? I thought you were a Christian. <laughs> no, I am. And I'm going to still love you. And I'm going to pray for you. We're just going to do it from a distance now. Yeah. It says, Indeed, they shall, or whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Watch this shall fall in the literal text means they will leave you, they will need to be removed. Well, who's going to remove them? You. You're the one that allows people priority in your life. Don't come in here and go, God, remove them out of, out of my life. And they call and be like, you want to get lunch? <laughs> what you doing next Friday? <laughs> they will be defeated in battle. They will be overtaken. Watch this. It says, for your sake. That means because of his hand on your life. Because of his hand on your life, people that are against you can be removed and defeated. And remember, all of this power and authority over the attacks is available because we are choosing righteousness. Amen? Verse 16. Is this good so far? We're not at the blunt part yet. says, behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. So that's an interesting scripture that you've really got to explain. But what this is, is that God is reminding us that even though Satan, the smith that destroys, is in the earth, he began as being created by God, and here's the important part, and he is still subject to God's power and authority. The same power and authority that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says, lives on the inside of you. So if Satan is subject to God's power and authority... When you are established in God's righteousness and the same power and authority of God lives on the inside of you because God's son lives on the inside of you, Satan is subject to your power and authority through Christ Jesus. Don't you ever forget, Satan has no control over you. He has no 
power over you. You are not subject to him. He cannot rule you. He cannot defeat you. Sin has no control over you. This is how much power Satan has. The Bible says, resist him and he will flee from you. You don't have to fight him. You hear people all the time, I'm fighting with Satan. What are you fighting? Resist Satan and he flees from you. Jesus already fought the fight and he gave us the victory. Truth is you're fighting with yourself. Oh, we're, we're starting now. All right. So weapons formed against us, we see here, are not from God. Sometimes they are from people, but those people can be removed. Satan has no power and authority over us. Oh, so it's not God. Some of you know where I'm going with this. The people can be removed. Satan is crushed and defeated. Oh, who else is left in the equation? Me. Are we ready? Don't be the weapon formed against your own life that will prosper. Oh, you, you heard me say that right. Don't be the weapon formed against your own life that will prosper. Please understand, God does not anoint sin God does not bless stupidity. And God does not watch over your word to perform it. God anoints righteousness. God blesses wisdom and obedience. And God watches over his word to perform it. But so often, we live lives of contradiction to God while expecting God to bail us out of the consequence of our contradiction. If you will grab on to this, it'll change your life. Don't be the weapon formed against your own life that will prosper. Don't be your own worst enemy. Don't be the reason your prayers can't be answered. 
You want some real life examples? I'll start with one no one will get mad at me about because it's universally agreed upon. So that's like going outside, smoking two packs of cigarettes a day for years upon years, and then coming into church and saying, no lung cancer formed against me will prosper. (laughs) You're laughing because, like, no, your lungs are going to deteriorate. Am I right? That's like drinking a fifth of vodka every night for years upon years and then going to the doctor and they say, your liver's failing. And you going, I can't believe God let this happen to me. All right. Can I keep going? Do you give me permission? (laughs) In my church, I say this, do you love me? They're like, "Ah." (laughs) Like, (laughs) so that's like coming into church on Sunday morning and this amazing worship team, and they are awesome. They're worshiping, and you're standing out there with your hands raised, crying, crying out to God, saying, God, restore my marriage. And then by the time you get home, you've already cussed each other out. You're looking at stuff repeatedly that you shouldn't be looking at. You're DMing people, inappropriate, and you know it's inappropriate. You won't even lift your face off the phone while the person who is supposedly the most important person in your life is speaking to you. You can't be bothered to look up from some dog rescue video of a puppy that you will never see in your life while your spouse is trying to have a conversation with you. But then we come to church and go, God, restore my marriage. But you won't even be nice to each other. Don't be the weapon formed against your own life that will prosper. Don't be your own worst enemy. Here, let's take it one one step further. I get this one all the time. Just in my church, this never happened at City Light. Pastor, I can't afford to tithe. I'm like, really? Because you afford everything else. You give Star- Starbucks a car payment every month. <laughs>
I mean, Starbucks is getting a Honda Accord from you every month. <laughs> but then we got miracle offering coming up in a few weeks, and you're sitting there going, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm just things are really tight right now. So can you not afford to tithe, or are you just not willing to obey God? I wonder if Javen's watching. <laughs> Is this being streamed? <laughs> so we're coming to church every Sunday, and God, I need breakthrough. I need that promotion. I need that raise. And then the next day, you're late to work. You're actually posting. Oh, it's Monday. As if your boss isn't seeing that. Don't be the weapon formed against your own life that will prosper. One more. I use myself as an example. Is this okay? Yes. Okay. I keep saying these things. I just keep smiling my way through it. <laughs> Let's talk about our physical bodies. Always gets quiet on that one. <laughs> wow. truth is, in many levels, we're out of control. And there's so much wisdom. There's so much resource. I don't remember where I heard this, but I heard it about 10 years ago. And I heard someone say, I just want to be better at 70 than I am at 40. And that has just been with me personally. I take my physical health very seriously because my physical health affects my emotional health. My emotional health affects my spiritual health. And let me tell you this, your physical health, the older you get, will affect your financial health. And the sooner you can get your physical health under control, meaning that you start eating healthy, you start exercising, even just going for a walk. I'm not telling you to go be a CrossFit superstar. I'm not telling you to do some radical diet. In fact, if it's radical, you're not going to sustain it. <clears throat> but I cannot tell you how many times as a pastor, and I say this because it grieves my heart, 
people come up to me and ask me to pray for them while disobeying the doctor. And they're asking me to pray that God will heal them while not obeying the doctor. And I just stand there and the Bible says that everything good comes from the Father of lights, the Father of order, our Heavenly Father. Well, the wisdom of a doctor that can reach into your heart with a scope, clear your arteries, save your life, put your body literally back together, restart your heart, get it pumping again, get the... Is that not from God? But then we leave all of that and disobey the life changes that they tell us to make so that we don't come back and end up in the same place. Don't be the weapon formed against your own life that will prosper. Don't be your own worst enemy. Don't compromise being established in righteousness. The Bible says that faith without corresponding action is a mockery. It's dead. What good are words when there is no action to follow the words? See, I say these things to you because God has an incredible life for you. The life God wants you to live is free from terror, free from oppression, free from fear. It is a life of peace, joy, happiness. God has a hope and a future for you. Really, God wants you to live a life where no weapon formed against you prospers. Why? Because greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. God wants you to live a life in realization of what his covenant says about you and his covenant says that you are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You are blessed in the city and blessed in the field, blessed when you come in, Bless you when you go out, that you are healed by the stripes of Jesus, that you have a covenant of peace, that the abundant life is what Jesus died on the cross for you to have. God is not against you. The people against you can be removed. Satan is defeated. So don't leave here being your own worst enemy. Leave here saying, God, if you say to do it, I'll do it. If you say to go, then that's where I'm going. If you say to be, then that's who I'm going to be. I am your child. I follow you. I obey you. I listen to you. This is who I am. Take me where you want me to go. Come on, City Light. Let's give God a shout of praise. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sit back down. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Maybe you're here today. You don't have a relationship with God. Did you know that you could? Did you know that you should?
Did you know that everything God has done from the first moment of time until this moment, right here, right now, was done in design for you to have a relationship with him, one he created solely and completely for your benefit? That relationship comes on the two levels I've already mentioned. The first one is the eternal level. When you have a relationship with God, what you're doing is opening up your life and asking Jesus to come into your heart as your Lord and Savior. Upon doing so, he does come into your life. He washes away your sins, forgives your past, places you in God's family, and you can live the rest of your life knowing that when your time on earth is up, that you're going to heaven. Now, the reality is that would have been enough. Eternity in heaven is enough for all of us to worship God and honor God every day of our lives. But the beauty of the God we serve is he's not the God of enough, he's the God of more than enough. And yes, eternity is his priority, but he also cares about your everyday life. Like we talked about today, God wants to be a part of you reaching your highest level of development. And you can leave here today knowing that you're going to heaven, plus you can leave here today knowing that God is going with you and he will be leading you and guiding you and helping you to live the abundant life he wants you to live. But it starts with you asking him to come into your life as your Lord and Savior. In a moment, I'm going to lead the entire church through what we call the prayer of salvation. And I want to invite you, if you have never prayed this prayer, to pray it with us today, to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior. Or maybe you're here and at some point you had a relationship with God, but for whatever reason you turned away, you disconnected, you would now say that you are far from God. But something brought you to church today, and there's a good chance that that something is, is that you know you need to reconnect with God. So let's do it. Let's reestablish the lines of communication. Whatever the reason is, was that you disconnected doesn't even matter in this moment. The only thing that matters is that you do what you know in your heart you need to do. I like to put it like this just because it makes sense to me. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you just know in your heart that you're not right with God. Whatever that means to you, you're not right with God, but you can get right. It's a good chance you're broken, you're hurting, you're lost, maybe tormented on some level probably been sensing you need to make a change. Let me tell you this, the change starts with getting right with God. So I'm gonna count to three before we pray. And if you'd say to me, Jared, I wanna pray. Jared, I wanna go to heaven. I I want my sins forgiven. I wanna make Jesus Lord and Savior of my life. Or you would just say to me, Jared, I need to come back to God. I need to get right with God. I'm not right. I need to get right. I'm just not right with God. I believe in God. I have an awareness of God. But God is really not in authority of my life and I need to get right with him. Before we pray, I'm just gonna ask you to take one small step of faith and on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand up. There's gonna be several of you because you know you need to do this. And let me say this, today's your day. This is your moment. Do not leave here without doing what you know you need to do. On the count of three, all over the room, raise your hand up if you wanna pray. One, two, three. Come on, raise them up. Yes, thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve over here. Okay, keep your hands up just for a moment. Our team's coming to you. Okay, they're gonna give you a little card. I'll explain that in a second. There's people in the back as well. God bless you. Thank you so much. It's a lot of hands up, at least 20 hands. Thank you so much. Okay, you can put your hands down. Would everybody look at me as a church family? Let's pray together. Don't leave them by themselves. Say this. Say, Heavenly Father, I give you my life give you my heart and my soul. I make Jesus 
my Lord and Savior. Forgive my sins, put my past behind me. Take me to the life you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen.